0: And uh, tonight is our last night in Job. That's why I brought this box of tissues. If anybody needs one, if you're grieving because we're in Job the last time tonight, uh, I'm sorry. I know that probably you're as as ready as I am to move on to something else, but uh, we'll do that. (coughs) And you pray about, uh, I haven't quite landed exactly on what we'll do, but you pray that the Lord will make that clear And probably another... Character study, I really do enjoy the character studies it's on the Wednesday nights. We've done that now for a number of years. Moses, Elijah, um, there's went through Job now, and uh, they're not always this long. But, but, so I like to learn from people. Uh, people people inspire me because I know that they are flesh and blood, just like I am flesh and blood, and they make mistakes, but yet they also they have great victories. That gives us all hope, doesn't it? Job 42, we finished this book tonight, and what a finish it is. One great result for Job was the compensation that he got for his trials. Uh, God is a debtor to no man. He will not ever uh, renege on a debt. And uh, when, when Job was recompensed here greatly for the suffering that he went through, and uh, don't forget in this story why Job suffered in the first place. He suffered because Uh, of that scene in heaven we had in the beginning between God and Satan, where they uh, basically, I don't want to use the word bet or wagered, but they challenged one another, "Uh, consider my servant Job, and Satan said, I'll bring trouble on him, he'll curse you to your your name before you can turn around. And uh, of course, Job didn't, and uh, he he vindicated the Lord. So it is true that during his suffering, Job showed some weak points, did some things and said some things. Uh, he was not perfect. And so God had to polish out some of his discrepancies. But the suffering that he went through vindicated God's dispute with Satan. And so, uh, God blessed him because God is never in debt to anyone. Uh, that is something we ought to remember. When God makes a promise, he always keeps his side of the promise. And, and, you know, we need to realize this even in the area of something like giving. Is, is a great area for this. He makes a promise. The only time God dares you in the Bible is in Malachi. Uh, Prove me now herewith, he says, when he's talking about tithes and offerings. Bring them and see if I don't open heaven and pour out my blessing to you. Why? Because he does, he's not a debtor to any man. And so we, we need to remember that. Now, let's read here a few verses. Uh, Job 42, verse number seven, uh, 10. So we're going to start. And the Lord turned the captivity of Job, and when he had prayed for his friends, also the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had had before. There came there unto him all his brethren and his sisters, and all they that had been of his acquaintance before, and did eat bread with him in his house, and beboned him and comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every man an earring of gold. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning, for he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 she-asses. He also had seven sons and three daughters. And he called the name of the first Jemma, Jemima, uh, the name of the second Kezia, the name of the third, that name right there that you see in your Bible. And the land uh, in all the land were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons, sons even four generations. So Job died being old and full of days. Father, I pray you'd help us in the next few minutes here. Uh, we can learn some things from this ending of this great book. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so talking about the reward, I wanna, that's what we're going to talk about tonight, God's reward. Let's look at the prompting of it in verse number 10. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. This is fascinating to me. Now, do you remember last week we talked about the fact that his friends had to sacrifice. <coughs> they had to come to Job to have him pray for their sacrifice. After they spent a whole book castigating him as some wicked sinner, God said, no, for your sacrifice to be acceptable to me, for your wickedness, you've got to get Job to pray for you. Him I'll accept. You're going to have to go through him. Humiliating. But yet they did it, which is a, is a blessing. And now uh, here it says, when he prayed for his friends, that's when the Lord turned the captivity of Job. Uh, Job prayed for his friends. Look at who, that, that's who he prayed for. Um, I, I think it's kind of interesting. It uses the word friends. More well, like adversaries, If we read the book, right? Uh, they weren't that good friends. Uh, the Bible is very kind to call them his friends. Uh, This, by the way, is more of an identity title than a character title. It was just telling us who they were because this wasn't the type of people they were. They weren't friends to him. They certainly hadn't shown themselves friendly to Job during his suffering. So that's who he prayed for. But notice when he prayed. Don't miss the fact that Job prayed for these men when he was still suffering. God turned the captivity. God gave him relief after he prayed for those friends. So he prayed for them Uh, while he was still suffering greatly. Can I tell you tonight that some of the best medicine for a person who is suffering is to help others in their suffering? I don't know if you've ever been there, but when we're suffering or when we're going through a very hard time, we tend to become very self-centered. And this is natural. I mean, it's the most natural thing in the world when we're hurting to look at ourselves and uh, focus on ourselves. But self-centered actions do not alleviate our suffering. Go ahead and try it next time you're suffering. You don't help yourself by being selfish. You don't help yourself by being self-centered. Being concerned about the needs of others will definitely alleviate that suffering. That's why when Job prayed for his so-called friends, he was delivered from his affliction. I think it's interesting. It's called captivity in our text. Did you see that? The Lord turned the captivity of Job, verse uh, 10. You ever felt like you're in a prison of your own suffering? job was he was like in prison he was a captive with it, and he turned that captivity. The prompting look at the principle in the reward. look at verse 10, Also the Lord gave job twice as much as he had had before, uh, twice as much. So job had lost nearly everything in his troubles, but God gave it back to him, and God, as he always does, paid a high interest. when you reap you reap more than you sow, the Bible says. And uh, we will always reap more that that can be good or bad depending on what we sow, but uh, we we will always reap more than we sow. He gave him a if you do the math, he gave a hundred percent interest. Gave him twice what he had before. God is always doing that. You can't outgive God. Uh, you can't. Uh, he, he doesn't. He doesn't become indebted to any person. Now, of course, Job's giving here that we're talking about uh, was his suffering, but yet. That was uh, the the principle remains here that when you give to God, you get the highest percentage rate anywhere. So God's uh, Job's reward is a promise to all of us that God will reward those who serve Him and do the right thing. Now look at the popularity in the reward. This is interesting. I wanted to groan a little when I saw this. Look at verse eleven. Then came there unto him all his brethren and all his sisters and all that had been his acquaintances before. And he'd eat bread with him in his house. And they, did bemo- and they bemoaned him and comforted him over all the evil. Uh, when After Job's trial ends, his popularity increases. Then came. That irritates me just a little bit. Where were you a week ago? That's when I want to ask each one of these jokers. Now they show up when Job's troubles are over. Uh, that this popularity that Job is experiencing in verse 11... This is called fair-weather popularity. You know what a fair-weather friend is? They're there when the times are good, but they're not anywhere to be found when you're going through a tough time. Uh, I have went through some, both my wife and I went through some, some trials in, in, in our ministry life, and, and uh, we, when we were at our lowest point ministry in our ministry life, we found out really quickly who our real friends were. And uh, there, by the way, there were a lot less than we thought there were. We've, <laughs> uh, they made themselves very clear very quickly. So these people left. They split when Job was going through his trials, and now they come trotting back. Where were they when Job needed their comfort uh, through his great affliction? Uh, where were they when he was hurting and suffering? They were nowhere to be found, and a lot of popularity is like that. Win and you're a favorite. Lose and you'll be booed. Fame is a vapor, popularity an accident, riches take wing, the only thing that endures is character. By the way, uh, popularity is not an indication of quality. I'll give you one, I'll say one word to explain that whole statement. Popularity is not an indication of quality. Kardashians. Need I say more? Okay. Uh, just because you're popular didn't make you anything worthwhile. Okay, so, uh, but... but uh, that's why we shouldn't depend on our popularity uh, to judge ourselves as what type of person we are. Amen? Character is what matters. And uh, we need to realize Job's quality was shown when he was faithful, not when he was famous. Uh, he showed in his faithfulness to God. Uh, popularity is like roses. You can smell the flowers, but don't squeeze the stems. Don't just get too excited about popularity because we need to take that with a grain of salt. But look at verse 11. Then came unto him his brother and his sisters, his acquaintances. The crowd was made up of his near uh, kin, uh, relatives, his close acquaintances, his friends. They had known Job before. They were the people who were the closest to him. Uh, uh, So where were they before is the question that I have. Sometimes our closest friends, and yes, even our relatives, will be the first to forsake us in times of trouble. But, and this is what we have to remember, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble, Psalm 46, 1. And we'd better remember that in times of trouble because we cannot, we all like friends, and friends are important to me. I like to have friends. But when it really comes down to it, that's not who we can depend on. God is our uh, refuge and strength, a very present. I'm glad for those friends that stick with you through thick or thin, uh, but there are. Uh, There's there's less of those in your life than you think there is, honestly. And so uh, it it does us well to trust in him. Lean on him, not on uh, friends, although they're very important as well. Look at verse 11. They did eat bread with him and bemoaned him, comforted him over all the evil that the Lord had brought upon him. A little bit messed up in their theology there. God allowed it, but Satan brought it. Every man also gave him a piece of money, and every man an earring of gold. Someone, I don't know who made this statement, but I've used it before, and I think it's very true. The two best things a person can lose in life are probably fair-weather friends and some weight. Uh, we can both, we can most, of, many of us can, can afford to lose a little weight, amen? We can also lose fair-weather friends. That's a, that's a good thing to lose as well. Notice the conduct here of these fair-weather friends. First, their consumption. They did eat bread with him in his house. Now, this is customary for friends to do. Uh, This is a mark of friendship. But I think Job was very gracious for letting them eat bread with him in the first place. I mean, this is... i (coughs) have Just personal testimony, we've probably all been there. But I've been in those deep valleys. Deep valleys are lonely places. People don't show up there. People don't uh, want to have much to do with it. I'm talking about all, many acquaintances, many friends, ma- many family. They don't want much to do with you when you're in, in the deep valley. That's where you find that your true, true friends are few and far between. And uh, then when you come back up uh, and, and things are good again and those friends start to come out of the woodwork, it wasn't the easiest thing for me to be back friendly with them. You know what I'm saying? Have you ever been there before? I'm like, where were you when I needed you? You know, now everything's fine and you're wanting to get uh, get along again. So I think Job here was very uh, gracious to uh, allow them in his house to eat with him and to, to pretend they cared and bemoan and comfort over him over all the evil. Uh, so we see that he did eat bread. Also, there was comforting. They bemoaned and comforted. Uh, again, not the best time to comfort when the trial's over. Could use some comfort during the trials, maybe. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it, that's the time when he really needed it. Real friends comfort you in bad times. Fair-weather friends comfort you in good times. I'm sorry that happened to you back there. <laughs> that's a fair-weather friend. A true friend will walk through the fire with you and uh, spend that time. Again, I'm encouraging you tonight uh, from the other side to be that true friend. Not like the friends of Job that did show up and castigated him for chapter after chapter. Talking about being the type of friend that is so rare. What if we were that person that would encourage people when they're down? What if we were that person that would reach out, write a note, or make a phone call, or send a text, or or whatever we can to be an encouragement to somebody who's having a hard time, a lonely time? Let's be that person and uh, be that real friend. And then... uh contributions we see here. Verse 11 also, every man also gave him a piece of money and every one an earring of gold. Gifts for those who have survived difficult times was a custom in those days. Uh, you see also Hezekiah was given gifts by the Babylonians after he recovered from his sickness in Second Kings chapter 20. But again, these gifts would probably have meant more if they were during Job's troubled times. Uh, so I like this statement. Fair-weather friends run at the first sign of rain. True friends will hold the umbrella till the rain is over. Find that friend and be that friend that'll hold the umbrella during the rain. They don't just show up after. You remember Shammah in the Old Testament, one of David's mighty men? Uh, it gives, I forget, 2nd Kings, I think. I forget which chapter it is. Uh, but the, that gives the exploits, uh, uh, Adino and, and, uh, Shamal was one of them. But is the one that stood in a field of beans. And everybody fled when the Philistines came. It was just a patch of lentils. Who would want to defend lentils? I mean, seriously. If there's anything that they can have, Philistines take the lentils, alright? Nobody likes them anyway. But not Shamal. He said, no, no. These, this might just be a patch of beans, but this is, these are God's beans and I'm not giving them up. And so he stood and he fought, the Bible says, all day long till his hand basically had to be pried off his sword at the end of the day. And the Lord brought a great victory through him. And then if you see the last few words of that, that tale or that account, it says, and the people returned to him only to spoil. After he won the victory, then they showed up from behind the trees, and from behind the bushes and where they were hiding. Then they show up to get the spoils. Man, world's full of people like that. world's full of people that'll use you, that'll, uh, that'll they'll be a friend as long as everything's going well, like the prodigal son. He had lots of friends till his money ran out. world's full of people like that. To be a true friend uh, is, is something that we ought to aspire for. If there's anything I've learned personally in the book of Job is how not to act around grieving people when people are hurting. That's no time to start preaching at them. It's no time to start uh, showing them all their mistakes. Just comfort. Just be a friend. And that was what's missing in his life. All right, then look at some prosperity here in the reward. Verse 12. So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. The best was saved for last. The last part of Job's life was much better than his beginning. And remember, Job had quite a beginning. All right. In the beginning, he was the richest man, the greatest man in all the East. He was... Not on welfare in the beginning, okay? He was already a wealthy man. In uh, chapter 1, verse 3, it says he was the greatest man, greatest of all men of the East. And this, uh, his end was better uh, because Job was blessed extremely well. Spiritually, it is always best to finish better than we began. That should be all of our goals. We, uh, to, it, it's, it always breaks my heart when I see someone in ministry start strong. And end week. I learned today. I'm preparing a message for a pastoral anniversary I'm preaching for in a few weeks, uh, and so I was looking at some t- statistics. Only one in ten pastors retire as pastors. In other words, they last till the end. But by the time retirement age, you're doing something else. Only one in ten. Uh, that's sad to to think that uh, so many you know start strong. Finished bad. He certainly finished bad. Verse number twelve. He had fourteen thousand sheep, six thousand camels, a thousand yoke of oxen, a thousand uh, she asses. If you'll check the inventory of Job's wealth in chapter one, you'll see that this is doubled now. He has double what he had before. It is no doubt that many would envy Job, because people always envy the successful, always. But no one would want to go through Job to get what he got. Now, this is something that we ought to remember because trial often precedes God's blessings in our life, and it's interesting sometimes how people might envy uh, you for for what you have or a position you have who would in no way go through what you went through to get it. They just envy the end result. All right, Well job had to go through some stuff, but he he was blessed. Check up on the great men in God's work and you'll find tri- inevitably you'll find trials in their life. And uh, that's often what keeps people humble to keep sur- to survive God's blessing, right? Uh, and that's I, I didn't make a mistake when I said survive God's blessing. Anybody, more people can survive adversity than can survive success. Uh, uh, success kills more people than adversity does, spiritually speaking. And uh, so, look at Solomon; his success didn't do him very well. All right, the progeny and the reward. One of the delightful recompenses for Job had to do with his family. He had more children to replace the ones that had been killed in the first attack. Verse 13, he also had seven sons and three daughters. Now, if you check his inventory of children from before, you'll find this is the exact same amount of children before the attack of Satan came upon him. And you might say, wait, pastor, you said God gave him twice of everything. He gave him the same amount of children. Well, I got news, friend. His children aren't dead, all right? They're in heaven. He'll see them again. His children, their lives weren't ended. They're dead, understand, but they're, he'll see them again one day. Uh, so they're still in existence. So Job didn't need a double amount of children. He already had those children. They were just in heaven. Uh, he'd be reunited with them, and he is now reunited with those that group of children. So if you've lost a child, Uh, It's not lost forever, amen? God uh, will see them again one day. This text is a a great support text for the immortality of the soul. We're not like animals. When we die, we don't cease to exist. And so his animals that were killed, God replaced double. His children that were killed, he didn't because they're still living. They're just in another place. Um, Now look at verse 15. In all the land there were no women found so fair as the daughters of Job. He had beautiful daughters, and and Rawlinson said, this beauty has always been highly valued in the east, and Job would feel himself highly favored in having three beautiful daughters. Uh, It can be dangerous having beautiful daughters, but it's also a blessing, Amen. and it was a blessing for Job. Then he did an unusual thing. Look at verse 15. Uh, The daughter's Uh, the the last part there, the daughters of Job, and their father gave them inheritance among their brethren. As usual, Job gave inheritance to the children, but he also gave part to his daughters. That is not usually how things were done. Inheritance went to male children. Most of it went to the oldest male child, which I happen to think is a wonderful idea, being the oldest male child in my family. Uh, But uh, it did not go to female children. But here Job, he is a man now super super blessed when he was the greatest in all the east he's now twice that so it's like here he was donald trump now he's twice that you know he's he's got double what he had and so he would have no trouble giving plenty to his children and the fact that joe gave much of his wealth or, or or gave his daughter's inheritance just speaks again of his great wealth being an heir uh, of Job was uh, what meant you would come into some great wealth when he finally passed away. What a blessing. The period, look at verse 16 and 17. After this lived Job 140 years and saw his sons and his sons' sons and even four generations. Uh, one of the great blessings of, of the reward for from God for Job was the additional years that God ga- had given him. God gave Job an additional 140 years. Since God gave Job twice of everything that he had, uh common thinking by most Bible scholars is that Job was 70 when the trial hit. And so that after the trial, God gave him twice that, gave him 140 years. That would mean that Job died at 210 years of age. Uh, he saw his sons, his sons' sons, even four generations. He lived long enough to see his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren and his great-great-grandchildren and possibly even his three times great-grandchildren. And that is a blessing. Grandchildren are a blessing. Amen? To those of you who have them. uh, they are a great blessing. And to be able to see your great-grandchildren and your great-great, and then on and beyond that, uh, that is a special reward God gave Job. And then verse 17, Job died being old and full of days. We've already seen that Job had 140 years added to his life It is true that men lived longer in Bible times, but even in Job's contemporaries, he lived a long time. If we compare his with some of the Hebrew patriarchs, Abraham lived to be 175, uh, Isaac 180, Jacob 147, uh, Joseph a little less, he only lived to be 110, died a young man, only 110. Uh, Job, 210. And so, full of days... Now, this also, full of days would mean, would indicate anyway, prosperity and satisfaction. Job lived a pleasant life. He, he did go through some excruciating trials, but the last two thirds of his life was one of delight, one of blessing. His trials helped him to experience those blessings properly. That's what trials do. Great trials in your life will make you more grateful for the good things that are ahead. Like my dad, over and over, uh, when I was being raised after we left the Amish, we never—I don't—I don't think we ever drove through a rainy night that he wouldn't. Isn't it a blessing to have a car? Isn't it a blessing to have, because we, for years, we did—we weren't in our settlement. We weren't allowed to have a top on the buggy, so we had an open buggy. And if it was ten below zero out, it was ten below zero out. You just—you just suffered. And of course, he. He's, you know, has never weighed 100 pounds because of his being crippled and, you know, have, has no heat. He's always cold. And uh, so now he had a car and it had a heater. And he was grateful for it. He still is. Decades after we left, uh, it's a blessing when you've driven in a cold buggy for many years. So great trial makes you thankful. I don't know how many times we got sick of it as kids when he'd open the refrigerator. Isn't it a blessing to have a refrigerator? We didn't have a refrigerator before. You know, everything spoiled quick. You had to, you didn't have cold things. You couldn't open the freezer and take out ice cream. I mean, this was a, a blessing. And so prior trials will help us appreciate current blessings. It's one of the rewards of trials. A lot of people cannot handle earthly blessings because it ruins their character. You know what will help it not ruin your character? Trials. Trials keep you humble. Trials keep you grounded. And great trial will remind us who we are like it did for Job. Uh, He he was full of days, but they weren't bad days. They were good days, and that's a blessing. So that ends Job. Much pain, some complaining, a lot of refining of his character, and great reward, and uh, a great end uh, to the book. So I hope that you learned Half as much as I did, then we've, uh, we've accomplished something because I certainly picked up a lot through this book. And if you didn't, we'll just start over next week. And, and a year from now, we'll be through it a second time, all right? Let's pray.